Come on, praise him. The Lord's been good to you. Praise him. Magnify and exalt his name. Worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, every hand clap and every voice lifted just one more time. Would you raise the roof with your praise right now? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We're thankful to see all of you in the house of the Lord tonight on the second day of December. Amen. We can't afford to get lax or lazy, unfaithful, um, just kind of lackadaisical about our praise and worship. So thank you for your passion and your great praise and worship to him tonight who is worthy of all praise. We're going to dismiss all of our classes, teachers and children, everybody else. If you just turn around and just kind of wave at somebody or give somebody a fist pump. Don't forget December the 12th, our teachers that are leaving the room right now. Praise God. You may be seated. Following the lesson tonight, I'll be giving you an update on some things. Um, if you want to stay for a few minutes, you can. It shouldn't take uh, very long. Just want to uh, keep you posted. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verses 1 through 6. This is in the New Living Translation. Send your grain across the seas. And in time, everybody say in time. Prophets will flow back to you. But divide your investments among many places. For you do not know what risks might lie ahead. When clouds are heavy, the rains come down. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. And if they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon, for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another or maybe both. I want to talk to you tonight about keys to unlock storehouses. This is a, a very powerful portion of scripture. It talks about some practical things in the, in the area of finance. This is a lesson about money tonight. It's been a long time since I've just taken a single service and, and taught about these principles uh, and you're going to hear a lot of verses and passages tonight that I have never used before on this topic. But if you just kind of peruse down through Ecclesiastes chapter 11, uh, you will see the principle of investing overseas and the prophets coming back to you in time. It talks about dividing your investments. Um, investors call that diversification. 
Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Make sure that you are sowing and investing in many different areas of your life. That would be in the natural and in the spiritual. That would be in the kingdom of God, and that would be in this world as well. Uh, the word of God is, is, is not just all spiritual. It teaches us about practical things and how to live a successful life in this world. And he said, you know, farmers, if, if they're looking for perfect weather all the time and if, they are, if they're paying attention to every cloud, they're never going to plant, they're never going to harvest. And then he says, just as you cannot understand the path of the wind and the mystery of a baby growing in its womb, neither can you understand the activity of God. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Is that right? His wonders to perform. And so he said, plant the seed in the morning. Keep busy all afternoon, plant, keep working, plant, keep working, sow, keep working, sow, keep working, for you don't know if your profit's going to come from one activity or another or maybe both. That is, I could just stop right there and we would have heard a, a tremendous lesson tonight. That is a very powerful uh, passage of scripture there. In Psalms chapter 24 and verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all that dwell therein. Everybody say God is the owner. God is the owner. We own nothing. God is the owner. He owns everything. I know a lot of you know that, but I want to emphasize that for those of you that do not realize that. You don't own your house. You don't own your car. Matter of fact, the bank owns it for most of us. Um, you, you don't, you don't own anything in your life. God is the owner. He is, he possesses everything upon the earth. We are just the managers or what the scripture calls stewards in first Chronicles chapter 29 verses 11 and 12. Thine, thine, O Lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Everybody say it belongs to him. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. It's his. Both riches, everybody say riches, and honor come of thee. Riches and honor come of thee. Now, I know a lot of people that, that uh, talk about, uh, you know, having a blessed life or something like that. And I'm not talking about the book that was written, but literally the blessings of God upon your life. Um, is a bad thing. We're supposed to be paupers and, and we are supposed to you know, scrape and scrounge and live in poverty and all that kind of stuff and whatever. Isn't that what Jesus was talking about, giving up our life and hating our life and all that? No, that's not what he was talking about. Riches and honor come from the Lord and thou reignest over all and in thine hand is power and might and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth the power to get wealth. Are you paying attention here tonight? It is he that giveth thee. Everybody say, that's me. These are the people of God. He is the one that gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. He made a promise to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he said, your seed's going to be innumerable. 
you're, you're going to be prosperous. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. And he's the one that gives you power to get wealth so that he can keep this covenant that he made with your father. So everybody say, that's good. They say, that's exciting. All right. So in Psalms chapter 37, verses 25 and 26, it tells us that he will not forsake us. I have been young, and now I am old. And in all my years, I have never seen the, uh, the Lord forsake a man who loves him. They say, the Lord will not forsake me. Nor have I seen the children of the godly go hungry. Instead... Instead, the godly are able to be generous with their gifts and loans to others. I'll make you the head and not the tail. I'll make you the lender and not the borrower. That is the intention of God upon his children, and their children are a blessing. It's for future generations. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all of your need. How will he supply? How will he measure the supply of God in your life according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Can you measure his riches? No. Have you heard about heaven? Have you heard about streets paved with gold? Even though I believe this is figurative, but it's, it uses that uh, to give us an example um, of how, how beautiful that the presence of God will be. Walls of jasper and gates of pearl. The Lord owns it all. If you, the visions that the prophets saw of God, he, he was uh, like an emerald stone. Everything about God is, is wealthy. It's rich. It's pure. It's holy. It's righteous. He will supply all of your need measured against that according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Proverbs 3 and 9, honor the Lord with thy substance. And with the fruit, first fruits of all thine increase. Everybody say substance and increase. Honor the Lord with that. Substance, with, with thy substance and with all thine increase, so that thy barns may be filled with plenty. Does that sound like poverty to you? Does that sound like empty cupboards to you? Does that sound like, and I'm not against clipping coupons and saving money, but, you know, I mean... Does that sound like God wants you to do that because you can't afford anything better? I got to get seven. I'm not against all that, okay? But I'm just saying, like, I'm, I just, we're so poor, we, you know, we got to get 16 cents off a can of beans or something like that if we can't eat. He, he said, no, if you will honor me with your substance and all thine increase, your barns will be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out. Look at the verbiage there. They shall burst out with new wine. And of course, the scripture tells us in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35 that it is more blessed to give than to receive. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you like to receive? Don't lie about it. If somebody came up to you tonight, wrote you a check for a million dollars, would you hit them in the mouth? Or would you just, would, what would your reaction be? Hopefully it's better than your passion and pre-service prayer. <laughs> Hopefully it's higher than that. <laughs> How many of you like to receive? I'm just having fun. 
Like, I mean, you love to just get surprised like that publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes is real. I'm not talking about the lottery. Okay. But, but somebody just blesses you with, hey, I want to pay for your dinner. Anybody like that kind of stuff? I heard an, ooh, Lord, have mercy over here. But think about, think about how much that we just enjoy receiving, right? I mean, it's, it's on a high level. I enjoy receiving. But the Lord said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So how, how much more should the excitement be about giving if we're that excited to receive, how much more? Okay, so let me ask you like this. Uh, would, you, would you be the same level of excitement to receive a $20 bill as you would a $20 million check? Would you just be, oh, man, thank you so much. That's so kind of you. It's not the same level of excitement, right? The more you receive, the more excited you are. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So the more we're able to give, the more excited we should be. I don't know if you're getting it, but anyway, it's a good point. It's a really good point. So think about how much you enjoy receiving and then, and then flip that and say, I'm far more excited to give. Why is that? Because the Lord loves that. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. But remember this, if you give little, you will get little. How many of you like to receive a little blessing as opposed to a big blessing? How many of you like to receive a big blessing? All right. So he puts, it, he puts the ball in our court. If you give little, you get little. A farmer who plants just a few seeds will get only a small crop. But if he plants much, he will reap much. Everyone must make up his own mind as to how much he should give. Don't force anyone to give more than he really wants to, for cheerful, cheerful givers are the ones God prizes. God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more. Everybody say, and more. Say, I like that. And more so that there will not only be enough for your own needs, but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could just kind of get this principle and not be fearful when the budget gets tight and understand that the way to break the, the tightness of the bands on that budget and that debt and all that kind of stuff is not to pull back on your giving but to, but to increase your giving. Yeah, because he said if you give little, you get little. If you give a lot, you get a lot. That's a principle of the scripture. Now, you're free to call God a liar if you want to do that. Verse 9, it is as the scriptures say, the godly man gives generously to the poor. His good deeds will, an honor, will be an honor to him forever. For God who gives seed to the farmer to plant. I love this, these verses right here. God gives the farmer seed to plant. Well, I thought he went down to, what's that place called where you... Anyway, where they get the seed? Huh? Yeah, there's a lot of good answers out there. Not Home Depot. <laughs> no, that, that's not where they get it. He gives 
seed to the farmer to plant. And later on, good crops to harvest and eat. He gives the seed, and then later on, he gives them the harvest to eat. That same God will give you more and more seed to plant and will make it grow so that you can give away more and more fruit from your harvest. What a powerful... Some of y'all need to memorize 2 Corinthians 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians 9 and 10. You need to write it down. I'm reading it out of the Living Bible here. You can you read it out of 12 different translations if you want to. It's powerful. He said that same God's going to give you more seed to plant so that you have a greater harvest, so that you have more and more fruit from your harvest to give. Verse 11. Yes, God will give you much so that you can give away much. What was the purpose that he gave you much? To give away much. Are y'all still here? And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will break out into thanksgiving and praise God for your help. So two good things. I believe there's some people on foreign soil that are going to celebrate for the blessings of God that you sowed into the kingdom. So two good things happen as a result of your gifts. Those in need are helped. And they overflow with thanks to God. Those you help will be glad not only because of your generous gifts to themselves and to others, but they will praise God for this proof that your deeds are as good as your doctrine. And I preached on that several months ago about the doctrine of deeds. Your deeds need to be as good as your doctrine. And they will pray for you with deep fervor and feeling because of the wonderful grace of God shown through you. Now, the Bible also talks about contentment. First uh, Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, and I want to make a couple of important points here. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. See, the Bible says right there, always, all we need is food and raiment. That's, that's not exactly what the Bible's talking about. When you compare that, by the way, money in Scripture from the beginning of the Bible to the end is one of God's most favorite subjects. And it is the top topic that Jesus talked about. He talked about money more than anything. And we have to live in this world with money, okay? But he's, he's talking about the attitude with lack and plenty. He's talking about anxiety in the spirit over either what we have or we don't have. He's talking about feelings of depression and sadness because we either have something or we don't have it. That's what he's talking about. And he said, if you've got a roof over your head and you've got food to eat and you've got clothes to put on, just chill out for a little while. Okay. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish, hurtful, and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. So you have to ask yourself, is my money or lack of it, is it changing the person that I am? Is it causing me to covet things that God's not ready for me to have? For the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of it, which while some coveted after, that's the key, they have erred from the faith. Have you erred from the faith? Has your lack of money caused you 
to have less faith in God? Has your, has your, uh, has your more money caused you to have less faith in God? Did you catch that? Has your lack of money caused you to have less faith in God because you're discouraged? Has you, you having more money? Are you praying less because now you have more money? Do you have less faith because now you have more money? I finally got my raise and my promotion and my bonus. Am I praying less now? Why is it getting quiet in here? Don't err from the faith. And he said some have been pierced, them, uh, pierced themselves through with many Sorrows. What are you bringing into your life due to God's blessings that are not supposed to be in your life? Everybody needs to remember this statement. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. People get a lot of blessings flowing in their life, and all of a sudden they're just, man, they're just throwing money everywhere. They're just doing all kind of stuff, and they're just buying all kind of Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Are you still trusting in God now as much now that you have a little more than you used to have as you were when you had nothing? Am I getting my point across? In Proverbs 21 and 20, there is treasure to be desired and all in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. A foolish man spendeth it up. I'm talking all you people out there that go through money like water. I'm talking all you people out there that don't understand the value of money. I'm talking all you people out there that spend for the, for the sake of spending. He said, a foolish man spendeth it up. In Proverbs 24, man, it's quiet. Proverbs 20, <laughs> all the conservative people ought to, at least ought to get, get an amen from them. All the tightwads out there. Proverbs chapter 24 and 27, prepare, see, I'm just working this message. I should be getting amens on one hand from the tightwads and then, not that they're all sitting over here, but, and then all the, the people that just spend everything they get, not that they're all sitting over here, uh, and they're not, but Proverbs 24 and 27, prepare thy work without, prepare thy work without, and make it fit for thyself in the field, and afterwards build thine house. Now, he this is this is a God's way of saying set some priorities. Some folks need to hear me in here tonight. Set some priorities. He is likening this to someone that that is going to you know establish a farm. He, he, he's saying. If you can't eat and you can't make a living and you're going out here and there's, there's not a source of income, don't build your house first. Go out there and, and till the ground first. Till the ground. Plant the seed. Get the crop ready. Let there be some rain and fertilizer put on the seed. Let the crop come up. Let a harvest come in. What he's saying is don't get ahead of yourself. Don't live beyond your means. Make, make sure you're doing things in proper order. Set some priorities. Man, the Lord is saying some good stuff tonight. I don't know if you're getting it. Set some priorities. Have, have a balanced approach to the way that you handle the things that God has blessed you with. He's the one that blesses the farmer with a seed. He gives seed to the farmer. You're the farmer. What is coming into your hands, it doesn't, make, it doesn't matter if you're making $13 an hour or $400,000 a year. 
It doesn't matter. That came from God. Are you being a good steward of the seed that God has put in your hand? If you learn to sow it appropriately, God will put more and more seed in your hand so that you can give more and more. That's the principle. Thank you all nine of you. Proverbs 22 and 7 talks about a lesson that we all need to learn. Proverbs 22 and 7, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, there is such a thing as leveraging debt. I disagree with, uh, you know, some people out there that, that uh, uh, talk about, you know, uh, being totally debt free so you can stack your cash up. You know, you've got an inflation rate of 5%. I don't know if you know that. You have 100000 a day, 12 months from, day, from now, it'll be worth 95000 There is a rate of inflation. We're living in a time right now where it is possible to leverage debt in your favor. Now, you can't always do that. You couldn't do that when I was a kid because uh, mortgage rates were 18%, 20 21%. When my parents were, uh, you know, we rented we never owned a home. The, the mortgage rates were so high. Obviously, you want to be out of debt. But, but you, you have to be wise with the way that it's, it's tricky. But it's a powerful concept. And the reason that the Lord spent so much time with it is, is because he understands that everybody does not have the opportunity and the time all the time to research this stuff all the way. So he gives us principles and says, if you'll trust me with what I gave to you, I gave it to you. And if you'll trust me with what I gave to you, I will make sure things turn out to your benefit. But you can't be foolish with it. And you have to do what you know to do. And you have to be a good steward and manage what I have put in your hands. It came from me. But mammon is cursed. There's a spirit behind it. Your money has a curse on it. Every penny that comes in your pocket has a curse on it. It's the spirit of mammon. It's this world's riches. The way to get the curse off is to pay your tithes. That's a debt. It's just like paying your taxes, only higher. <laughs> Actually, it's a lower percentage, but, but it's a higher kingdom. <laughs> okay? The Lord, the Lord, you know, I always say that the Bible is, is one of the most... Is, is probably the single most common sense book in the whole world. God has some pretty good common sense. He's, he's very practical at times, even though his ways are higher than our ways and past finding out. We don't understand all that. Um, he, he does, you know, don't make it harder than it is. Obey the principles of the scripture and you'll be blessed. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 13. I have seen a grievous Evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Be wise with what you have been entrusted with. And it's okay to walk by faith and to live in faith and make plans for the future as well. You say, well, I don't have to plan for the future. Well, that's why we go in so much debt. I'm trying to talk, talk to us about things that don't get talked about that much. Educate yourself. Pray about it. Well, I got a new car. I'm happy for you. I want everybody in here to have a new car. Did you pray about it? 
Did you say, Lord, take me to the right dealership? Lord, I'll wait on your timing. Lord, I don't have to have it today. I understand that my, you know, the other car is on its last leg or it just quit running or whatever. I don't have to have it today, but Lord, would you take me to the right dealership? Put me in front of the right salesman. Give me favor with the sales manager. Put me in a situation, Lord God, where I can be blessed in this because God's not against you having a new car, but he is against you living your life without talking to him about it. We, we have, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. And, and there's a lot of people that go out there and they make bad decisions. Number one, in the multitude of counsel, their safety. There, there's nothing wrong with seeking counsel. Can I just say this? I'm going to counsel you right now. <laughs> Please don't ever pay higher than the going rate of interest rates on a car. Look up the rates on, on, a, on a used car. Look up the, the rates on a new car. Don't go out there and let some shyster talk you into paying 12, 15, 18% or 25% on a car. That's ludicrous. That's not good stewardship. Okay? Pray about your decisions. Well, it's all I can do right now. Then don't do it right now. Because you're going to pay for that for the next five years. You're going to pay for that I, I got to do it right now decision for the next five years. Don't tighten up on me. I'm just trying to help us. I don't know anybody doing that right now. But I'm just trying to help you. Just, just be smart. Be wise with what God has entrusted you with. I want to leave my kids better off than, than I lived. I want to give them a head start. I want to give them a, head, a, 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 hand, a hand up. Is that okay? Proverbs chapter 21 verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. Isn't that powerful? The plans of the diligent lead to profit. Diligent in what? Diligent in everything. Diligent in prayer. Diligent in faithfulness. Diligent in giving. Hard work. Labor. Believing. Faith. As surely as haste leads to poverty. Just as the diligent being diligent leads to profit. Uh, haste, which is what I was just talking about, leads to poverty. Making snap decisions. You're going to pray about them until you hear from the Lord. Number six. Everybody say, this is good. Okay, I got to make you say it. A fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. A fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. If you got to lie to make money, you need to do something else. You're, you're trading in your, your character and integrity for a dollar. And there's plenty of dollars to be blessed out there with, with being honest. Proverbs chapter 23 and verses 4 and 5. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Are you working so much you can't be faithful to the house of God? I'm just going to do this for a little while. I just, I got to get this done. I got to, you know, I got to, I got to, we got to get this debt paid off. And do it. I mean, the Lord understand. He don't. He don't understand. He don't. Because he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. 
He, he does not understand putting employment and career before church. He doesn't understand it. Well, they won't let me off on Thursdays and Sundays. Get another job. Get another job. Well, it's just for a little while. It's, a little while is going to have long-lasting effects. Verse 5. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. In other words, riches can never be the objective. It's fleeting. It does not bring happiness. It is not going to fulfill you. It is not going to last. It will just evaporate and go up in a puff of smoke. Luke chapter 16, verse 11 I love the Bible, don't you? If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? Your money is a test of your spirituality. You want more of God? What are you doing with your money? You want more revelation? You want God to use you? You want his gifts to operate in you? You want dreams and visions? You're being tested with the unrighteous wealth. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's or another man's, who will give you that which is your own? You got to be careful about how you handle the position at work that God's given you. And you've got to be careful how you manage the things that he has given you jurisdiction over. Because that is a test to see what God will give you ownership of, even though he owns it all. No servant can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one, love the other, or he will be devoted to the one despite and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. There it is. See it? That's your choice, not God and the devil. God and money, that's your choices. Hebrews chapter 13 and 5. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, I'm enough. And if you'll focus your whole life around me, I'll take care of the rest. Luke chapter 12 and 15. He said unto them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. That's all of it. All covetousness. Are y'all still here? I feel like I'm doing okay. Are y'all learning anything? Thank you. And thank you, Brother Clark. Thank you, Brother Crumb. Thank you, Brother Clark. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Take care. Be on your guard against all covetousness. All covetousness. Be careful about dreaming about things. We've all been there. Man, if we could just have this. I understand. I understand. And uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with saying, boy, it'd be nice to this or whatever. But you can't wrap your whole universe around it. That's covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his 
possessions. So the lesson here is make sure that the desires of your heart, because he knows the desires of your heart, make sure the desires of your heart are not wrapped up in the abundance of possessions. Your life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. These are just things. Amen. Don't hold on to them too tightly. Proverbs 10 and 4, a slack hand causes poverty. And the hand of the diligent makes rich. Isn't that powerful? Get to work. Put your hand to the plow. Work hard. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30. I passed by the field of the sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. I've seen some of those fields and the vineyards. And behold, it was overgrown with thorns. Don't get something if you can't take care of it. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Now, I, look, folks, I, I am all for helping people, okay? And the Bible does tell us to help the poor. And the Bible tells us to, you know, lift people up from time to time. Give them a hand up and... You know, be there. Everybody goes through low times. And, and I do thank God that, that we are in a country that, you know, if you lose your job, there is, there is you know, some help with that. And especially in the season that, that we've been through in the last couple of years. And I'm, I'm thankful that there are programs and things that can help people that uh, cannot help themselves for a season and a time. But you cannot let that become your destiny. And you can't let it become your identity. And because God cannot bless laziness. It's okay to take unemployment. But, but you can't just say, well, I'm going I'm to just, just take it. Man, I get this for two years. I'm going to just sit here for two years. God can't bless that. As a matter of fact, it, it probably gives you the opposite of a blessing. It's one thing to take some help from time to time. It's another thing to get addicted to handouts. Everybody does not exist to take care of your lack. Now, we're the body of Christ, and, and we should strengthen the, the feeble knees and lift up the hands that hang down. And, and we should, if the Lord lays it on our heart to slip you know, a little cash in somebody's hand, we should be obedient to that. And, and we should help when it's time to help. But if the Holy Ghost is saying, hold on a second, there's a reason why that this happened. They did this to themselves because they were disobedient to the things that I've asked them to do. And they're lazy and, and they are selfish. Are you here tonight? I'm not preaching anybody in here that I know of. But from time to time, there's people that come through here. It's one thing to help them for a little bit. But you can't let people just... Uh, just Milk it dry. Just, just. Well, I now I'm so pitiful. You know, I, I just, if you can just help me, and oh God, oh things are just so, so bad. And and they're getting handouts from everybody in the church. Okay, I I get it. We're here to help one another. 
but there's a balance to it. So the, the scripture tells us, if you go by the field of the sluggard, this is what it's going to look like. If you, go by, if you go by the vineyard of a man lacking, this is what it's going to look like. And want is going to overtake them like, a, like an armed man, and poverty will come on them like a robber. You ever heard the saying, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about the heathens out there or whatever. I'm not blessing their iniquity. I'm not blessing their sinful lifestyles and their, their covetousness and their greed. That's not what I'm talking about. But there is a principle that goes along with money that those who understand how to manage it, they benefit from it. And those who are lazy and those who won't work, and, the, you know, he said, if you won't work, neither shall you eat. Is that okay? I'm still in the Bible, right? And, and, then, and then givers. Givers. You can't make it all about you all the time. Proverbs 28 and 22. A stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know, and does not know that poverty will come upon him. Don't be a tightwad. Proverbs 13 and 4. Don't point fingers at anybody right now. Proverbs 13 and 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Do you understand the principles here? And then this last verse that I'm going to leave with you in Matthew 6 and verse 21, the Bible simply tells us this. You know this scripture, most of you do, and this is such a powerful principle. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Pay attention to the direction that your treasure is going. Because your heart is soon to follow. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, one of the, uh, one of the things that we have paid attention to through the years. Now, I, I know you would be shocked to know that, that I don't comb through your giving record every week. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't do it every month. I don't even do it every quarter. Matter of fact, I don't, I don't remember when's the last time I've done it. Probably a couple of years. But I will say this. Um, when there's a dip in the giving and the tithes in the church, there's a reason for that. And so from time to time, and it's been a long time, but... Uh, from time to time, I will I will go and look, and I will see if there's any anything that's that's not um, uh, that doesn't look quite right. And uh, why, why are you doing that? Because you're greedy? No, because this is what I know about people that backslide. When they stop investing, they're leaving the church. If we don't get them. If we don't catch them and try to help them to come back because people tend to put their money where their mouth is and where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And when the treasure starts backing off, I know that there's something going on with the heart. It's a, it's a barometer. It's a measuring stick that God has given us in the kingdom. And I know that's not a good place. They're, they're headed down the wrong path. So I, I would say to you, uh, and I haven't said this in a while, and I haven't looked at any records, so I'm not saying it for any other reason than to just be a blessing to you tonight. 
that tithing is 10%. It's not 9%. It's not every other paycheck. It's not four paychecks off and one or on and one off. It's not 5%. When you add it up at the end of the year, if that tithe is not 10%, it wasn't tithe. And the only way to get your curse off your money is tithe. Ten is the number that God gave. Now, unless you want to call him a liar, nine won't do it. And seven won't do it. And three and a half won't do it. Ten percent. And God is so serious about it. He said, if you run on hard times and for some reason you think that you have to hold your tithe back a little bit, when you do pay it, you're going to have to add the fifth part to it. You have to add 20% to it. That's Bible. That's in the scripture. So uh, just know that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And, of course, tithing is, is returning. It's a debt we pay. It's not, it's not giving. Tithing is not giving. It's returning. It's a, it's a debt. It's like paying your taxes. Giving is your offerings. That's, that's given to our general offerings so that we can keep the lights on around here and, and so that we can do projects and, you know, uh, pay for advertising and whatever else it is that we do. It's expensive to run this church. And, um, and, so, and so that, that's the first two things. And then giving to missions and giving to uh, projects and any, any opportunity. We look for any opportunity uh, to give. When you, look, when you look in the scripture, at first glance, it seems like the Lord is, is contradicting himself. Like the Bible is contradictory about money. Well, what? wait a minute. One, one place is telling it's warning us about covetousness and contentment, being content. And, and you know, uh, they that be rich will fall into a snare and many hurtful lusts and all that kind of stuff. And then on the other side, he, he's saying it's the Lord that causes you to get wealth and, and that I've caused you... Uh, to bless you, to be a blessing. Money is not evil, folks. It's, it's how you view money. It's how your attachment to money. It's your love of money. You say, well, it warns against being rich. Well, what is rich? A teenager that makes $10,000 a year looks at somebody over here that makes $75,000 a year, and they say, man, that's a lot of money. But somebody that makes $75,000 a year looks over here at somebody that makes $300,000 a year, it says, oh, man, that's too money or too, too much money. They're making too much money. They're rich. No, rich, rich is the attitude. It is covetousness. It is the attachment to possessions. It's the attachment to money. Give it all to God. He's the owner of it all. That's what we started out with. Now, the, the, the crux of the lesson here tonight is keys to unlock storehouses. He, he said... He said, you've robbed me in tithes and offering. And he said, if you'll come back to me, I'll come back to you. And he said, the tithes and offering. He said, when you give that and when you pay that, prove me herewith and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to contain it. Now, you can call God a liar, but that's what he said. I've said that several times tonight. The Lord is not a liar. The Lord wants to un unlock storehouses in your life and in this church. You, you think the Lord doesn't want to use this church to bless 
uh, missions and missionaries with millions of dollars around the whole world. You think the Lord doesn't want to do that? But he has to prove us. He's got to prove you. And you've got to examine yourself. You've got to check your own stewardship. And you've got to make sure because when you prove yourself that you're able to manage greater wealth than you have right now, that's the key to unlock the storehouses. The Lord will put a key in your hand to unlock things that will absolutely blow your mind. And he doesn't mind you having nice things just as long as nice things do not have you. Don't get attached to it. Stay attached to him and stay in love with him. And everybody say, that's good. Say, I receive that. Praise God. So thank you. Thank you for joining us on, online. And uh, we're, we're going to cut the cameras for a moment. Now, if you need to leave.